You're listening to Church on the Park Inspiration Podcast. Brought to you by Holy Fire. And broadcasting from the heart of Brisbane City, Australia. Speaking today is Pastor Glenn Gerhauser. Hallelujah. Well, today, the message is entitled, The Battle for Healing. The Battle for Healing. And this is number five in Your Healer. And we're going to be diving into this at home. I hope the screen is sharing. Is the Battle for Healing screen being shared? If you don't mind unmuting and just letting me know. If you can see that screen, the battle for healing. If you can't see it, if you don't mind unmuting it, just you can see it. Okay, wonderful. Thank you. Thank you very much. So the battle for healing, your healer, I'm going to pray. Father, I ask for your word to come into our hearts. You sent forth your word. You forgave all their sins and you healed all their diseases. And I'm asking in all these messages that there would be healing, that we would discover your ways of healing, that we would be transformed, and our minds would be renewed, renewed, our hearts would be strengthened in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. If you could put your hands on your hearts, please, and pray this nice and loud with conviction. Dear Jesus, Jesus, speak to my heart heart. and change my life. life. Amen. 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 Good, good, good job, guys. Okay, the battle for healing. This is our opening uh, verse today, Judges 6.13. It's up on the screen. I hope you can uh, see the screen. Can everybody see the screen? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. So this is the story of Gideon. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. Excuse me? Oh, just make sure if you're at home that you're muted now. Thank you. Uh, here it is. Uh, Judges 6.13. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. So we're going to look at the next verse after that soon, but this, will, this is our opening verse. And our theme this morning is, in the battle for healing, God trains his mighty warriors. In the battle for healing, God trains his mighty warriors. And I'm thinking of healing in a twofold sense. It's called the battle for healing because I believe we're all called to be healers and we're battling for other people's healing. 
in our family, and uh, in our community. But also, it's a battle for your own healing, too. So there's a battle for your healing, and that's what I'm thinking about in this message and what we're thinking about, and also the battle for other people's uh, healing, and God has called us into that battle for healing. So let me introduce this more to you. In Exodus 15, 26, Yahweh reveals that he is our healer, Yahweh Rofecha. And in the Gospels, Jesus was constantly healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. This is Matthew 9, 35. Every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. So if God is with us and Jesus is in us, why do some believers get sick? Now, furthermore, why do some stay sick after receiving prayer? And why aren't there more physical healings? And what can we do to change this? So these are some of the tough questions, the difficult questions regarding healing. And today I want to tackle some of these difficult questions regarding healing. And we'll also look at some verses that many Christians who believe in healing ignore or try to explain away. But we're going to look at some difficult questions I mean, difficult verses as we uh, go on. There, there are many mysteries revolving, uh, sorry, there are ma- many mysteries surrounding sickness and healing. But one thing is certain. When you believe in Jesus, you receive eternal life. This means that you will receive a resurrected body in the age to come a body just like Jesus' resurrected body. So it will be a body uh, completely healed, just as Jesus intended. And it talks about that in 1 Corinthians 15, 43 through, uh, 42 through 57. So at the end of the message, I want to share more about a dream I had. I had a dream this week, and it shed some light on the mystery of healing, and I want to talk about that some more. Well, I didn't hear so, many, so much excitement when I talked about when you believe in Jesus, you receive eternal life. Yeah. And so <laughs> I want to make sure everybody's there. And that eternal life means you will receive a resurrected body yeah. one day. And it's going to be like Jesus' resurrected body. And we may talk about that more next week because next week is Resurrection Sunday. And this week is... Palm Sunday. So that's where we're going. This is something that Daniel Hang, he uh, drew this. Uh, he finished it this week. Notice the man and the fiery darts are being fired at him, but he's got the full armor of God on and he's got the shield of faith and he is guarding himself and fighting through the fiery darts. And it reminds me of our first point, which I'm going to share. And the point is there's a battle for healing. There is a battle for healing. And sometimes the fiery darts are relentless against us. Sickness, disease, different affliction, uh, thoughts of unbelief, questioning God. God's not afraid of questions, but he doesn't want us questioning his character. 
Before we get into this, happy birthday, Kayla. Happy birthday, Kayla. Those peaches, where are they from? They're not from home, are they? Oh, the lamb is all good. We had this thing that we got this jar of peaches from home, and I was hoping that it wasn't that, because they're, I'm pretty sure they're off. So I, was like, so I was like, oh, no, if that was brought there, we don't want you to be get sick. I'm talking about being healed. They're Italian lemons. Ah. They're sorry, but they're formed to look like lemons. Ah, OK. Yes. They smell like lemon. They shell like lemon. They smell like lemon. Yes, yes. Well, yeah. happy birthday, Caleb. And happy birthday, Caleb. He's 24 years old. That's us yesterday at the bowling alley. And we had a, just a, a really fun time bowling. And Kiara is quite good at bowling. You know, she was quite accurate. At, and uh, I was amazed by Valerie. Where are you, Valerie? She's taking the ball. And uh, she was really good. And uh, Gideon won. You know, he, he works often at Kingpin, so that wasn't fair. <laughs> But Gideon uh, won. It was a real fun time and a great birthday with Caleb. That brings us to the first point here. There's a battle for healing. There's a battle for healing. And we see in Judges chapter 6, verse 13, that Gideon asked, and this is Gideon in the Bible, not our Gideon, <laughs> if God is with us, where are his wonders? So Gideon asked the Lord flat out, if God is with us, where are his wonders? I'll read it again. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon re replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us. Uh, so Gideon asked this hard question. People who hunger and thirst after righteousness ask these kinds of questions. Where is the Lord? Where are his wonders? However, we need to be careful. So people who hunger and thirst for righteousness ask the same kind of questions as Gideon. Where are your wonders? And why has all this happened to us? It's a valid question. However, be careful you don't get stuck in these questions like a four-wheel drive stuck in the mud. And I have a picture here of a four-wheel drive stuck in the mud. I showed this at Bible school a few weeks ago. But I've been there. We've been four-wheel driving on the beach, and we've got bogged down, not in mud, but in sand. And the more you keep on spinning your wheels, the deeper you get bogged down. And sometimes we can get locked into these questions. Where are his wonders? Where are his wonders? What's why is all this happening to us? And we get so locked into it that we get bogged down and we get stuck, stuck in a rut. And we have to watch out that we don't fall into that. But this question is valid, and righteous people ask it. So watch out that these types of questions that Gideon asked uh, Watch out that these questions don't feed unbelief. Instead, use them to thrust you into the battle for healing. Or let these questions thrust you into the battle for healing. So after 
the Lord says, I mean, after Gideon makes these questions, the Lord actually gives him a solution. The Lord gives Gideon a solution, and we'll talk about that solution very soon. So, yes, in this age of sin and death, there is a battle for healing. This age is an age, this present age is an age of sin and death. There is an age to come, and that's the age of the resurrection. That's the age of eternal life. That's the age of healing and fullness and all of God's promises being completed. But in this age right now, there is a battle for healing. And sometimes healing comes instantaneously. We pray for somebody, they're instantly healed. At other times, it is a battle. Much like when the disciples came to Jesus and they said, why can't we cast the demon out of this boy? Uh, he, they were used to casting demons out, but this one uh, person, it was uh, too much. And Jesus explained why this, come, this one comes out by prayer. And uh, there's more to talk about regarding that verse, but I don't want to dwell there this uh, morning, maybe in weeks to come. But there was, a, there was a battle there. There was a battle to cast out those demons that were afflicting the boy. When healing takes time, God is teaching you how to war. So this is the big, this is one of the big points, is that when healing takes time, God is teaching you how to war. And we'll look at Judges 3, 1 through 2. Judges chapter 3, 1 through 2. This explains the situation in the promised land. The Lord left many of Israel's enemies still in the promised land, even after Joshua. And why was this the, the case? Well, Judges explains it. Now, these are the nations which the Lord left to test Israel by them. That is, all who had not experienced any of the wars of Canaan, only in order that the generations of the sons of Israel might be taught war, those who had not experienced it formerly. So the Lord left some thorns in their side. He left some battles in order to teach the Israelites to be strong to be warriors, to train them. And so they had to still be able to fight. They couldn't just leave that. And, and God, was, uh, God is teaching all of us that in this time, we need to fight. Nothing is perfect in this age. Otherwise, we'd settle here and rather than the, seek the eternal city whose builder and maker is God. So how did the Lord answer the question that Gideon had? Why is all this happening? Well, the Lord turned to him. Yahweh turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Now before that, the Lord said, I am with you, mighty warrior, to Gideon. Well, Gideon didn't feel like a mighty warrior. Gideon felt weak. And he didn't feel strong, but the Lord says to him, yeah, there's problems. There are problems, but you go in this strength. And what is that strength? It is the Lord's presence with him. You go and make a difference. You change the situation because I am sending you. You listen to my voice and you are going to set Israel, Israel free. 
So sometimes we can blame others. Why is this not happening? And God is saying, you, I want you to rise up. You're the mighty warrior. I want you to set the captives free. I want you to bring healing. I want you to fight. Don't just uh, stay bogged in the question. You get up. Go in the strength you have, and that strength is the power of the Holy Spirit that's in you, the anointing that resides in you, the presence of God that is with you. Go listen to him, and he is sending you, and then you'll see the power. And when Gideon stepped out in faith, when he listened to God, that is when Israel was set free. But they would have still been in that oppressed state, that state of oppression by the Midianites if he didn't listen, if he didn't obey, if he didn't step out and take up his weapons. And they were, they were uh, weapons, unusual weapons, like the shofar and the jar of clay and in the jar of clay, the torch, unusual weapons that the Lord used. So in other words, you make, I'll get to that. In other words, you make the change in the situation. You are the mighty warrior, and you are a mighty warrior. God is with you. Now go in this strength, the strength of God's presence with you. And as you respond to me, I will work wonders and set Israel free. So Gideon's got to move. And all of us have got to move. We can't just sit there and wonder. We have got to move and move in faith. Don't be focused on the oppression. Instead, focus on the Lord and his voice. Focus on me, the Lord says, and my voice. Listen to me and you will set the captives free. That's what the Lord is saying to Gideon. That is what he's saying to all of us this morning. And that's what happened, as we see in the story. God used Gideon's weakness to usher in his strength. And Gideon was, I'm of the least clan. I'm, we're the least, and I'm of the least, and I'm the youngest. But the Lord still chose him. Now, not many here are rich. Not many here are uh, powerful in the government, but you have more power than the President of the United States if you have the power of the Holy Spirit in you. And you're richer. You are richer than Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos, but he just got uh, divorced, so he's not as rich. <laughs> he's not as rich. <laughs> But you are richer than them because you have got the treasures of heaven that you can access. And you access them by faith. And weakness is the door that God use, uses so that we are dependent on him and we call out to him. Well, we saw Daniel's picture of the armor. Daniel Hang's picture of the man with the armor. How about this? I found this a couple weeks ago. Why art thou wearing thy full armor, good sir knight? Art thou off to fight in the crusades? Nay, fair lady. Nay, fair lady. I'm going to give my cat a pill. <laughs> so he's in armor because he has to give his cat a pill. You ever try to give a pill 
or get a cat to do something that they don't want to do, well, they fight. And so this, this uh, knight has his armor on because he has to give his cat a pill. Nay, fair lady, I'm going to try to give my cat a pill. Well, this brings us to the second point. Jesus has given you authority over demons, sickness, and disease. And just like he gave authority by sending Gideon to set the captives free, Jesus has given you authority over demons, sickness, and disease. Matthew 10.1, we read this last week, and we're kind of, we're kind of working our way through Matthew. It looks like the Lord is taking us through the book of Matthew, looking at certain passages and verses there. Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. So we see that Jesus gave his disciples authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Also, we see Jesus saying this, Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, nothing will injure you. So here he's given his disciples, and that's you, if you are his disciple, if you believe in Jesus. Well, that's you too. You have received authority from the Lord himself to tread on serpents. And we're thinking here of every type of opposition that comes against God and his kingdom, all the evil spirits, all these demons, unclean spirits. One of the things I felt as we were worshiping here was I felt a great cleanness. And this is after Jesus came into Jerusalem. Remember, he cleansed the temple. So we have Palm Sunday, and then we have the cleansing of the temple, and I felt the cleanness. The Lord has given us authority to drive out unclean spirits and to trample, to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will injure you or harm you. Not that nothing bad will attack you, but it will not overcome you. It will not master you. It's under your feet. Well, here is a picture in Times Square. This is Times Square. You may recognize it if you've ever been to Times Square, New York. Uh, New York Police Department. And in Times Square, they have a lot of police. There's uh, police on every corner in that area of New York. I kind of wish that they would do that here in Brisbane, more of a police presence, and hopefully they will do that because there's something about the presence of police officers. And in the past, the presence of police officers in New York cleaned up the city. Now the city is getting a bit uh, chaotic. But uh, in the past, they had a great uh, presence of police officers. And this is a picture from Times Square. Uh, here, this uh, is a police officer. He is, look at him, he's fully armed. Uh, I don't think that's a... Uh, New York police officer. He looks like he's part of the SWAT team. But in God's kingdom, we need to be fully armed. And I'm going someplace with this. Here's normally what a, a, what a New York police officer looks like. 
there is the NYPD. Police have the authority to enforce the law. However, that doesn't mean every criminal just listens to their first command. They may have to say over and over, put down your weapon. They may even have to chase the lawbreaker. So just because the police has authority doesn't mean the bad guy listens. Again, the police has to stand in his authority. He has to say over and over, stop, put your hands up, put down your weapon. And he may even have to chase down the lawbreaker. We'll get to that. Hey, and that's now our police officer <laughs> has come. Welcome, Gideon. So in other words, they have authority, but it doesn't mean that enforcing that authority is always easy. And the same thing goes for each one of us. We have authority. We have authority over demonic spirits, demonic spirits sickness, disease. But that does not mean that enforcing our authority is always going to be easy. We have to be persistent, consistent. We have to stand our grounds. Sometimes it is easy. Sometimes the police officer says stop and the person stops. And sometimes the police officer goes behind the speeding car and the speeding car slows down. At other times, he goes behind the speeding car and the speeding car speeds up and there's a chase. It's, it's the same way spiritually. Sometimes it's easy. It's sometimes easy to cast out a demon. At other times, they put up a big fight or... Sometimes we pray for somebody and the pain leaves immediately. At other times, it's a battle. So again, sometimes it's easy. They raise their hand and a car stops. At other times, the person in the vehicle is more rebellious. The police officer raises their hand, but the car races on. Say if they were standing in front of them, the police officer raises, sometimes raises its hand, but the car keeps on going. Again, this is the same way. Repeating again, this is the same way. In the kingdom, there is a battle. And because we battle against uh, these demonic forces, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Are you seeing this? And so it's important that you realize your authority. Now, here's what often happens with us. We pray for somebody to be healed. They're not healed, and then we go away walking like this. Oh, I must not have authority. I must not be anointed. I must not have the presence of God. No, get, stand up. Put your trust in the Word. Put your faith in the Word of God, and continue to stand in your authority. Be strong in your authority. And this goes for also demon spirits that are trying to afflict you with certain thoughts and temptations, and you are going to have to stand in your authority and rebuke the enemy and know, know the word and believe the word and stand on the word. I found this a few weeks ago. 
Not sure how they pulled that off. The Holy Bible, it has a little sign here. Signed copy. I'm sure somebody just stuck that there. Uh, looks, looks like the cellophane wrap is over it. Who knows? That's not sure how they pulled off the signed copy of the Holy Bible. But the Lord would have one in heaven, you know. <laughs> Okay, you don't, there's no verse on what I just said before. <laughs> All right, the third point. In every battle, God is training us to be his warriors. He's making us stronger and wiser. He's making us stronger and wiser. And that goes back to what we read before in Judges 3, 1 through 2. Uh, and that is, these are the nations the Lord left to test all those Israelites who had not experienced any of the wars in Canaan. He did this only to teach warfare. He did it to teach warfare. And the Lord leaves things. And he lets us go through battles to teach us warfare. To teach us warfare. He did this only to teach warfare to the descendants of the Israelites who had not been who had not previous battle experience. So when things are difficult regarding healing, we don't give up and doubt our authority or Jesus' power. Instead, instead, dig your heels in and fight. Dig your heels in and fight. We have been given authority. We have been, give, we have been given authority to fight in the spirit for healing. And how do you fight? You use all of God's weapons, like that police officer there, that SWAT team one. You use all your weapons, and you let the Holy Spirit teach and lead you. I'll show you. You use all your weapons, and you let the Holy Spirit teach and lead you. Now, even in the New Testament, even in the New Testament, where there was great, a great many healings, even in the New Testament, there were battles for healing. And not everyone was instantly healed. We go to Acts 9, 36 through 43. And we're going to look at some, some verses which may at first challenge us. Acts 9, 36 through 43. And this is about Tabitha, uh, which, is, which translated in Greek, Dorcas. I'll read some of this to you. Now in Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. This woman was abounding with deeds of kindness and charity, which she continually did. So this, here is this woman, and she's abounding in deeds of kindness and charity, and she continually did it. So why would something bad happen to a good person? And I think of my mom with this, and it's coming up to the anniversary of my mom's passing and going to glory. Here it is, my mom was battling cancer, and she was like uh, Tabitha. She was always doing good. She was always helping people and being a blessing. And uh, unfortunately, she got cancer, and she died, and she was every 
every moment she was believing, every moment up until she went to be with the Lord, she was believing for a miracle. She was one that was standing so strong in faith. Uh, and then I had someone else in our extended family who we're uh, close to, and around that same time, I have to watch out how I share this so I don't reveal anything, but I had a family member that tried to commit suicide, took a gun to his uh, stomach, blew, you know, sh uh, set it off, blew his insides up. Someone found him. He tried to commit suicide. Someone found him, and it looked like he was going to die, but he didn't die. And... Then he was at our house helping uh, my mom. You know, this is not about a year. I think about a year later, he's, he's there helping the family. And he is not a believer. You know, he is, quite a, he is a quite a difficult person. Well, he blew his guts out. And he was still alive. And then here's my mom dying of cancer. And we were wondering, why is this? You know, why is the man who is not very good doesn't even want to be alive, still alive. And my mom, who is uh, doing all these good things, she's at that door. And why is this? These are some of the mysteries that surround uh, healing. But the thing that in that situation, we'll get back to the scripture soon, but in that situation, what the Lord said to me is, this man needs mercy. And my mom had already experienced mercy. She was going, you know, she was going to be with the Lord. So her, her eternal salvation was secure. But this other man, it wasn't. And so the Lord was showing him by letting him live. The Lord was showing him uh, mercy and kindness. Well, here it happened that Tabitha, as we read, and it happened at that time that she fell sick and died. And when they had washed her body, they laid it in an upper room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, having heard that Peter was there, sent two men to him, imploring him, do not delay in coming to us. Now here is the miraculous that happened in this tragedy. So Peter arose and went with them, and when he arrived, they brought him into the upper room, and all the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing all the tunics and garments that Dorcas used to make while she was with them. But Peter sent them all out and knelt down and prayed. Now, they were just consumed with the grief of the death, but Peter said, all of you, get out, because there's a lot of, I would say there was a lot of unbelief in that room. And in order for the miraculous to happen in our life, we need to get out all the voices, all the other voices that are not the voice of God, everything that is, you know, consumed in the death of it. And Peter got, Peter got them all out. And then Peter sent them all out, knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up, and he gave her his hand and raised her up. And calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. It, it became known all over Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And Peter stayed many days in Joppa with a tanner named Simon. Named Simon. 
So this was a great testimony that the Lord turned it all around and she was raised from the dead. And God can still raise the dead today. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. Well, here we see the situation turning around for his glory. And in all situations, we need to believe that God will turn it around for his glory. Now, here's another scripture. At first, that was difficult uh, to read, but then we see a miracle. Here's another verse, 1 Corinthians 11.30, which says, For this reason, many among you are weak and sick, and a number asleep. A, uh, a number sleep. The sleep means death here. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick, and a number sleep. This has to do with the Corinthians. Now, this is the New Testament church, but many of them were weak and sick, and some of them had died. And the reason why that was happening is they were not honoring the body of Christ, and they were not honoring the Lord's presence. And so many were weak and sick, and a number fell asleep, even in the New Testament. It didn't matter if Paul would have went there. Unless they dealt with the problem in their heart, they could not receive God's uh, healing unless they had dealt with it. That's my take there. Now we go forward, and these are scriptures that uh, often people who believe in healing do not want to read. But we're looking at these tough scriptures here. Galatians 4, 12 through 14. I beg of you, brethren, this is Paul speaking, I beg of you, brethren, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You have done me no wrong, but you know that it was because of a bodily illness that I preached the gospel to you the first time. And that which was a trial to you in my bodily condition, uh, in my bodily condition, you did not despise or loathe, but you received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus himself. Now here, Paul, who healed so many sick people, he himself was sick. Uh, the, it's a classic Greek word here for sickness and weakness. He says, you know that it was because of a bodily sickness or bodily illness or bodily weakness. You know that it was because of a bodily sickness that I preached the gospel to you the first time. So even Paul experienced weakness and sickness, but God used it and turned it around. And that which was a trial to you in my bodily condition, you did not despise or loathe. You didn't say, oh, you know, the great apostle is sick. The one who heals so many other people, he's sick. But no, they treated him like an angel of God, like Jesus Christ himself. Do you see this here? Again, a lot of people don't even want to read these. They would never read this. <laughs> Verse, because the great apostle Paul, he was never sick, huh? But he experienced sickness. Of course, he was, he, he was persecuted and, and whipped and stones thrown at him. And believe me, he, he went through it. Here is Philippians 2, 25 through 27. Paul, again, speaking. But I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger and minister to my need, because he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. 
for indeed he was sick to the point of death. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. So here is Epaphroditus, who was ministering to Paul, and he got sick, and because he was, long, he was longing for you, and he was distressed because you heard that he was sick. I feel like this too, you know, if you hear that I'm weak or sick, I don't want you to be distressed. What Epaphroditus was distressed that they heard that he was sick, and he was near death's door. And this is, this is a great man of faith, a great man of faith, and yet he was near death's door, and yet God had mercy, turned it around. And Paul said, so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. So Paul went through a lot of sorrow. What I'm saying here is to be a believer doesn't mean that we are immune from all the bad that's in the world. God protects us, but there is sorrow we go through. We need to know how to overcome. We need to realize our authority. We need to realize that when these things come, we are not shaken because we have a greater strength in us. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So I'm not trying to sell you something like a, a, a fantasy religious uh, faith where everything is hunky-dory. <laughs> but no, there are some deep struggles we go through, but God turns them around when we stand in faith and trust in him. Well, look at Timothy. You know, Timothy was a great example of a good man, godly man, doing God's will. And Paul says to him, no longer drink water exclusively, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. This word ailments is the same word used in all these passages. Sickness or weakness. No longer drink water exclusively, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and, for, and your frequent sickness. Now, this is not meaning wine to get drunk, but this is using wine medicinally. And it seems like Timothy didn't want to touch this stuff because people were getting, getting drunk and living all sorts of, uh, living outside of uh, God's will in all sorts of ways. Uh, but Paul says, listen, you're frequently getting sick and your stomach is bothering you. Use a little wine medicinally for that purpose. So we see even Timothy struggle. And again, one of the big questions is why do we struggle with these things? We live in a fallen world. Are you with me? We do live in a fallen world. And there's three main sources of sickness that can come to us. One is our own flesh, our DNA, which is not perfect. None of us has perfect DNA. The, uh, so it's our own flesh. The other thing is the world. There's pollutants in the world. There's viruses in the world. And so sickness can come from the world. The other thing is the devil. Sickness can come from the devil or disease can come from the devil afflicting us. All three, it can be one of those three or it could be a combination of all, a combination of those three or all of those three that we could be battling with. And here with Timothy, the answer is not pray more, or come, come to me and I'll lay hands on you and you'll recover, but use some wisdom and some common sense. That was the answer here because it had to do with his flesh. It may not have been a demon spirit afflicting him, but it had to do with his own 
flesh. And so that was his, the wisdom Paul gave him. And here's another example. Uh, 2 Timothy 4.20, Erastus remained at Corinth, but Trophimus I left at Miletus. And here we see that Paul, who healed many, had to leave Trophimus sick at Miletus. So he had to leave this uh, man sick at this place for some reason. We don't know exactly why, but what I'm saying here is that even in New Testament times with the great amount of miracles, they still struggled with sickness, weakness, affliction, and uh, uh, sorrow and pain. Yet there was some kind of lesson learned and redemption in all these instances. God uses it for his glory. Well, we're coming up to Easter. Hey, pal, you want to tell us where you're getting the eggs? Did you get it? Well, we got the, that was a delayed reaction. We, we got the rabbit there, you know, the Easter bunny with all the eggs. Where are you getting, where's the Easter bunny getting all these eggs? So the chickens are upset with their bats and their sledgehammers. <laughs> what kind of, give us back our eggs. Well, that was a delayed reaction. <laughs> yeah, pretty dry. Well, I had a dream recently, and I want to share with you this dream, and it had to do with a house. Point four, and we're coming to an end soon. Our Father's house has many rooms. Each one has unique treasures for you to receive. Our Father's house has many rooms. Each one has unique treasures for you to receive. So this week I dreamed of a house with many rooms. And in this dream, a man gave me an ancient keychain with many keys. And I heard him say, I have given you the keys. Then a verse of scripture came to me. It's when Jesus said to Peter, I have given you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, Matthew 16, 19. I have given you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And when he gave me the keys, I first saw one key and then many keys, as often happens in, the, in a dream where you see things unusually. I first saw one key, then many keys. And it was a house, a big house, a mansion. The Lord began showing me the many rooms of his mansion. It was his house. He started to show me the entrance, the library, the study, the family room, the kitchen, the dining room, the bedroom, the dressing room. There were many rooms, too many to mention. But the most important room was the throne room. That was the most important room of the house. You can see these pictures of different rooms. And I saw that there were many treasures to be found in each room. And I saw that you often had to go through one room. You often had to go to one room to get 
to the other room. You had to go through one room to get to the other room. And as I prayed over the dream, there were three rooms that the Lord highlighted to me. One was the healing room, the second was the waiting room, and the third was the war room. Guys, you have to watch out with the camera constantly walking in front of it. <laughs> thank, thank you. So I, I saw that there was many treasures to be found in each room, and there was three rooms that the Lord highlighted to me. The, uh, one was the healing room, the other was the waiting room, and the, other, the third was the war room. And I saw that one of the ways to the healing room was through the waiting room. And the other way to the healing room was through the war room. So you have this healing room. And on one side, you have the waiting room. You have to go through the waiting room to get to the healing room. And then on another side was the war room. And sometimes you have to go through the war room to get to the healing room. Yet the waiting room and the war room were not to be despised. Even before arriving at the healing room, great treasure could be found in the waiting room and great treasure could be found in the war room. And the waiting room was not about sitting around and doing nothing, but it was about hoping and expecting, meditating on God, experiencing his presence and finding your strength in God. So waiting was active, not just passive. Here's a couple pictures of some rooms. This is what the sense I had when I was having these dreams of these grand rooms. So God's house is like a mansion, and there's many rooms, and in each room there's treasures to be found. You could be in the study and receive a lot of treasures in the study of God's Word. You can be in that waiting room, and you're receiving the treasures of the waiting room. You can be in the family room, like this is like being in the family room this morning. We're family, and there's many treasures to be found here. Here is the thing that I felt the Holy Spirit communicating. Don't despise any room that you're in. Value the room that you're in. Don't just rush to move on, but get the most out of that room. And of course, you'll be cycling through the rooms during your life here on earth. But what we tend to do with regard to healing is we despise the waiting room, but in order to get into the healing room, you need to go through the waiting room, or you may need to go through the war room of warfare before getting into the healing room. In both the waiting room and the war room, in both the waiting room and the war room, there's treasures to be found, and there's something that God wants to reveal to you, so don't despise these different rooms. I shared about a house like this in the past, but this was very vivid. I was not expecting it at night where I, I fell asleep and all these um, pictures were coming to me, and the Holy Spirit was reminding me of this. The fifth and last point is this. Jesus has given you the keys to explore his Father's house a mansion with many rooms. Jesus has given you the keys to explore his father's house, a mansion with many rooms. Matthew 16, 19. Here's an example of some keys. 
It looked a bit like these ancient skeleton keys in my dream. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been, shall have been loosed in heaven. I, it, it could be a little while explaining that second part, but I just want to focus on, because we're coming to an end here, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And all of us through Jesus have these keys of the kingdom of heaven by which we can access the treasures of heaven. Keys, you think about keys, they give you authority. If you had the keys to this place, you'd have authority to come in at any time you want. And it's usually a father or a mother that gives keys to their children to their house because it's their house. And the father is saying, my house is your house. Are you hearing this? I have given you the keys, and my house is your house. And you have access to it. So enjoy this house. Don't rush your way through the house like someone trying to escape in the escape rooms. You ever been to the escape rooms? I haven't been there, but I heard different stories. And you have these escape rooms, and you're locked in that escape room, and you're trying to escape the room. You want to get out of it as soon as possible and solve all these puzzles to get out of it. And you're trying to rush out. But this is not what God's house is like. With God's house, you're not trying to escape. Can I hear it? You're not trying to escape the rooms. In each room, there's something precious to learn, to receive. Uh, there's treasure, and treasure your time in each place. Get the most out of each room. And remember, it's all about the throne room. That was the most important room in the house, is the throne room. Keys, we're almost, we're almost at a conclusion here. Keys are a sign of trust. Uh, and, and keys are signs of trust, authority, ownership, and inheritance. They are given because someone paid the price for them. And Jesus paid the price on the cross for the keys of the kingdom of heaven to give it to you. And the keys to his house, he paid the price for them on the cross to give them to you. So this is your inheritance. Someone could give you the keys to a new car, but someone had to pay the price for those keys. And someone could give you the keys to a house, but someone bought the house. Someone had to pay, a, pay the price for the house. And it's Jesus who paid the ultimate price so that we would have the authority and keys. So all of our authority is based on what Jesus did on the cross. And that's how we come at healing and everything else that the Lord wants to give to us. In the battle for your healing and healing others, remember the keys and the rooms. Remember the keys and the room. The rooms, you may be in that place of waiting on the Lord so that you can usher people into the healing room. You may be in that war room so that you can usher people into the healing room. Or it may be for yourself. There's something the Father is teaching us as we fight to possess his promises. So this brings us to a conclusion. And if I can get you to stand, I can get you to stand. 
There's a battle for healing. There's a battle for healing. The good news is that God has given you authority and makes you stronger through the battle. So let's, let's pray. Father, we give you the praise and the glory and the honor. And we thank you that you have given us the keys of the kingdom. You have given us your authority. You have given us keys to your house. Help us to treasure where we are at in your house and to get the most out of every room and not be looking to run quickly and escape it, but really treasure what you have in there for us. And also, I'm praying that we, like Gideon, with all the questions that go through our minds, why is this happening? If God is with us, why is this happening? I pray, Father, that we could arise and we could go in the strength that is with us. We have the presence of God. And you have called us to heal the sick and to raise the dead and to bring life to those around us. And so I'm asking for special grace on everyone and Daniel and Diane as they go out. And we know Kieran and Donna are out, that you would use them and their family to bring healing, that you would use. And we're thinking about healing of the heart, healing of the mind, healing of the soul, giving people eternal life in Christ. Lord, use Kieran and Donna, use Daniel and Diane, and use each one here to minister healing, to minister life, to know that they have been given authority and that they are blessed of the Lord. And today I'm believing. We are believing for each person in here to be healed and made whole and sickness and ailments that have been afflicting many for a long time would be gone in Jesus' name. And practical solutions that are needed, like for Timothy, they would be given by the wisdom of God to hearts and minds. And most of all, Father, that in the struggles that we go through, that we would not lose faith. That we would not, that we would, we wouldn't think that, hey, God is not with this. God has abandoned us because the Lord has not abandoned us. And we are the ones who bring change into this world. We bring the kingdom. So, Lord, let us be kingdom bringers into, into the Queen Street Mall. Let the kingdom of God come and let the glory of God be manifested. Let us see the power of your resurrection this Passover week and this uh, in the Christian calendar, then also in the Jewish calendar. Soon we just pray for a manifestation of your glory during this time. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to invite up Anna to just come and play. And then we're just going to, if you can stay standing. We're just going to have a time of just receiving from the Lord and just being ministered to for about five, which about five minutes. I want to just spend some time here. And...
need to get Okay. So we're a bit in the waiting room right now. And if anybody, we'll just spend some time worshiping, but if anybody wants to receive prayer, if you want to receive prayer, um, right after worship, I have some anointing oil, and if you want to receive prayer for healing, we'll be praying. And we also want to pray for everybody at home, Daniel and Diane, we'll Daniel and Diane, blessing of healing and strength on them. Yushi, Davina, and Joseph, blessing of healing on their house. Joy with her son, full restoration. And with her husband, full restoration in Jesus' name. Healing for Lami and Linne, the, whole, the, the girls, the strength and blessing on them in the name of Jesus. Lami's whole household and guidance, that you would guide Lami, give him clear wisdom and instructions and guidance, just like you did for Gideon. And for grace, for grace, Lord, an abundance of your spirit's power, comfort, anointing, strengthening on the inside, divine help. Thank you, Jesus. We wait for you. We wait for you. We wait for you. We wait for you. Walk in the room. We wait for you. We
standing in your presence. Here we are standing in your presence. Here we are standing in your presence. Shekinah glory come down. Shekinah glory come down. Here we are standing in your presence. Here we are standing in your presence. Shekinah glory come down. Here we are. Here we are standing in your presence. Here we are standing in your presence. Shekinah glory come down. Shekinah glory come down. Here we are standing in your presence. Here we are. Standing in your presence, Shekinah glory come down. Release the fullness, release the fullness of your spirit. Your spirit, Shekinah glory, Shekinah glory come. Shekinah glory come, release the fullness, the weighty presence of God. Spirit, she kind of glory come, she kind of glory come. We wait for you, we wait on you, we wait for you. With expectation, Lord, we wait for you. To walk in the room, you walk into the room, everything changes, darkness seems to vanish at the light that you bring, when you walk into the She. 
going to speak a blessing over everybody and then say bye to those who are online just so that we can have a time where we can lay hands on people. If you want prayer for anything that's afflicting you, we're going to have the anointing oil here and we're praying. So, Lord, right now I ask a blessing, your blessing on the people that are online and blessing on everybody here that your face would shine upon them and that people would know that they are blessed of the Lord. We ask also a blessing on the, all the equipment, uh, the, the music and everything, that it would work properly. A blessing on this, this place, this this building, on all the things here. Let your grace abound here. Let many people find salvation through our lives. Bless each one. Keep them. Bless their finances. And let them see the breakthrough that Diane prophesied about. We believe for that turnaround in that desperate situation. In the name of Jesus. Thank you for resting on your people. Hallelujah. Amen. We'll continue going. <laughs> we'll say bye, bye to everybody.